Any author will tell you that the worst question you ever get asked, but you always get asked it, is where do you get your ideas from? Because to a writer, it's a bit like asking a ballet dancer, how do you stand on your toes? You know, it's, it's what we do. We can't go anywhere without getting ideas. And the most obscure thing will, will spark something off, like, you know, you could see these pictures on the side of the tent and think, oh, yeah, I could put that into the... This woman could have those, and, or we could have somebody painting them, or one of them's upside down and it's caused trouble, or something like that. I want to move on with you to showing you how really the most unpromising things can lead to a story, and together we're going to make up some stories. What I have in this very boring bag is a selection of the most boring things in the world. I've gone around just picking up things I thought that looks pretty boring and put it in, and I'm going to ask some of you to come up and pull things out, and we'll start making up a story, and then we'll pull out another one and take the story on, and we'll use the objects as the key. So who wants to go? I'm not going to go in the front row because you've had all the objects first. I think if you could, could pull the first thing out, please. This is a packet. I picked it up in a hotel. And it's a packet of these things. Can you see what they are? They're called cotton buds or Q-tips. But we could make up a story around maybe just one of these that could be the starting point for our story. Can anybody think where it might start? Because I think I would start there. I might start with somebody putting on some makeup, maybe cleaning off. Maybe somebody's mascara has run because they've been crying. And they're cleaning off the black streaks using one of these. And that's where the story starts. And what do you want to know next if you're finding somebody crying? Why they're crying, exactly. So then you'll go into why they're crying. Anybody got an idea of why this person might be crying? Any ideas? What did you say? She's had some terrible news. She's had some terrible news. Right. Anybody, any idea on the, what the terrible news might be? You can do anything, you see. You can go anywhere. If you haven't got an idea, we're going to get that idea from the boring bag, okay? That's what we'll do. Please, could you pull out from the boring bag? Right. Well, we've hit jackpot here. It's a syringe. Not quite. I think I got this from the vet. Um, it's an empty syringe. Um, it, it needn't necessarily, the idea comes from the syringe, it needn't necessarily be still in its packet. Um, so what could it be? Anybody got an idea? Has she found the syringe and realised that somebody she's close to is taking drugs? Or is she Theresa May about to make her speech? You know, Theresa May has to inject herself five times a day because she's got diabetes. So she's forgotten to, does she realise she's forgotten to do it and she might mess up her speech? Yes? Maybe um, she saw it, like, when she was walking along. And it reminded her of someone she knew who, I don't know. Brilliant. I don't know if you heard that at the back. Maybe she saw it as she was walking along and it reminded her of someone he, he, she knew, presumably who'd been taking drugs, maybe had died of taking drugs. So then we can go into that story inspired by... So far, we've got that far, and we've only had two boring things. Next boring thing. So where do we go next with this story? Who wants to put their hand in next? Right. This is a weather report. Boring, boring, boring. But I hope some of you will see something in it. I'm going to read it out. 
A half degree increase in the average temperature in September and October in East Anglia this century has made an already troublesome plant invader even more of a nuisance. With, while the changing climate has been hardly noticeable to humans, it has made an enormous difference to the floating pennywort, hydrocolite, runicolide, which threatens to choke the slow-moving rivers of the Norfolk Broads. And it goes on to say that boating along these rivers is becoming very difficult and things are getting tangled up in the weeds. Now, we've got already the crying woman, the possible dead drug addict, and the picture of rivers with weeds that are so rampant that things, and your, body, your mind might go somewhere instantly about what it could be, can get tangled up in that thing. Anybody got a sense of where that could go with this story? Yes. Right, somebody's walking their dog and their dog falls in the river. And this is a great example of how it doesn't have to be the obvious thing because I think a lot of you might have been thinking, oh, well, the drug addict's body's being caught in the weeds, but this is a dog caught in the weeds. So we could have a whole scene, and it's very effective always to do things with animals, where this dog is there and people are perhaps in despair watching this dog unable to free itself from the weeds, which is something that could be, you know quite interesting to write. Anything, anybody want to add anything into this scene that's happening? Are we going to go back into the boring bag, right? Um, maybe it was the lady walking her dog? It was the lady who was crying who was walking her dog, yeah. And what happened? Uh, possibly the dog jumped in because they thought there was somebody else in the lake. The dog jumped in because they thought maybe there was something else in there as well. And what might that other thing be? A dead body, which could have been who? The drug addict. See, we're getting there. We're almost at the end of chapter one, and we're already wondering who is she? Did you know how did he get in the water? Is she crying about the dog or the man? Um, we could add in when we're writing all sorts of details that have come nowhere from any of these, but this has set us off, and we're right. We've done chapter one. Start of chapter two. Back into the boring bag. Who hasn't had a dip yet? You haven't, have you? Here's another bit from a thing. This is an announcement. Death notices. Vernon Nay Leyland, which means her name when she was born was Leyland, but she was Vernon when she died, Anne, died on 21st of February 2017, aged 82. Requiem Mass at 2 p.m. on Friday the 3rd, of March at St. James's Roman Catholic Church, Spanish Place, 22 George Street, London, W1U3QY. No flowers, please. Couldn't be more boring. Apparently an unremarkable death in an unremarkable place, but can we pick up on anything from this death notice and weave it into our story? Is there any line from that you'd like to pick up? Her daughter could be the one who's been in chapter one. So she may have death on her mind. How about picking up on that line, no flowers, please? Maybe she wanted to die but not like, Did you hear that? Maybe she wanted to die and she didn't want anybody respecting her by sending flowers. Or maybe it wasn't her wish that there should be no flowers. 
maybe the people who placed this advertisement, who obviously it's not her that's placed that advertisement, are trying to do maybe something. somebody doesn't want people overthinking her death. They don't want them overthinking her because death. maybe it was planned. Yes. And it's interesting, there's no expression in this thing of beloved mother of or dear great aunt of or anything like that. It's just the bare bones of the thing. So you might have scope then for laying down some things in chapter two about this family that's had an old woman in it that nobody likes, or an old woman who's had no family at all. And perhaps it's been left to a solicitor or an undertaker to write this. So we've now got a cast which takes us through generations a bit, doesn't it? So, I mean, I'm assuming that the woman crying, what sort of age would most of you imagine her to be? Do you think? The woman who was crying at the beginning of chapter one with the mascara that she had to clean off. What do you think, 21? 21, I, I think I'm around there. Maybe a slightly older, could be a little bit older, but I wouldn't make her 50. I don't know if you feel like that. So she might be maybe the grandchild or great-grandchild of that woman that we've just heard about. And she, we know from our weather report, she's in Norfolk. And this woman is being buried in London. So maybe there's been a, an estrangement in the family we could write into the plot or something like that. But we're getting there. We're, we're laying down the, the, base, the bones of a, a, a plot where anything could happen. Now let's see if with the next dip we can get to something really concrete that happens. Would you like to put, pull out the next one? A toothbrush. Right. Now, what are we going to make of this toothbrush? Can somebody come up with something creative for that? Maybe Maybe the man who was found in the river was a dentist. There's a really good example about how you don't have to stick with what the object itself apparently represents. As, yeah, maybe he was a dentist, and I think we'd all like to read a book where a dentist got his comeuppance, wouldn't we? So, and you know, that would be quite interesting. You could have a dentist who's gone off the rails because we're thinking he might be a drug user as well, and maybe that explains where he gets access to his drugs because he would have anaesthetics and things that he could use. So then we're casting into this a dentist. What age should we make him? 34. 34, so he's a bit older than our girl. Maybe our girl is one of, her, one of his patients. Maybe she had a crush on him. We could build in all sorts of things there. How are we doing on time? It's all right. Can we keep going? Let's see if with the next pull, so we've got an extra person in. Does anybody want to change the story at all or add anything? No, make the next dip then. Ah, this is well, this is interesting. We're getting a theme now. This is, you know, when you go into hospital, they put a band around your thing. And this has on it, um, it says the person's name, what, Eleanor, it's not me, somebody I know, date of birth, 13th of June, 1926. So this is somebody who's now 91 years old. But we don't know when our story is set. So this could either be another character we're going to bring in, an old lady of 91, or we could change it, because we're the author, we can do what we like, and make this part of the story of the old lady we read about in the death notice. Or 
it, it set, you know, we know she was born in 1926. If we were setting our story in 1930, she'd only be four years old. You know, we can do what we like with this. Any idea? Right, so you're keeping it sort of in the present day. The lady we read about in the death notice is Eleanor Watt, and this is from when she was in hospital. So what's our next question? Why she's in hospital, yeah. Unless you want to add some another suggestion. So the woman who was crying is going into hospital, so we could make this her, her band... And what we could do then is say, okay, she's 21, so we'll set our story in 26 plus 21 is 47, 1947. So we would then be setting our story just after the Second World War, which might give us lots to add into it because there might be all sorts of post-war detail we could put in. Maybe the man floating in the weeds was some kind of spy left over from the war, maybe the body, you know, we could have a lovely scene where the body is actually two or three years old, the body stuck in the weeds in the Norfolk Broads, terribly decomposed. They can be quite nice stories to write <laughs> and sometimes to read. Or we could bring it to the present day, we can do what we like, we're still completely open but we've got a good cast of characters. Now I hope there's still some boring stuff in here. Who hasn't had a dip? You haven't, okay. Right. Now, this might, do, this might give us the date for our story. This is an extension lead for earphones. It's a thing you plug into something. If you want to share one source with two people, and it does this. So the one, one thing I think we know now is our story is not going... Either we abandon this, which we can do, or our story is not going to be set in 1947. Because in 1947, this would have looked like the most space-age thing in the world. What do you want to do? Right, could you hear that? You could do a thing where the woman who is crying um, has all sorts of flashbacky things to do with the war, doesn't listen to music because it reminds her of the war. And in fact, what we could do, maybe our old lady, we could add in, is, you know, when you have dementia these days, they're very, very keen for you to listen to music from when you were young. It's a very good thing for unlocking memory. So maybe our Eleanor Watt, the old lady that we got from this thing, is in a home and is listening to music that all the, all the people in the home think is going to do her good, but all it's doing is bringing back memories. And that can flash us back into our story. We can use that as a device to flash backwards. I can't remember who, I think it might have been you that suggested doing flashbacks, but it would be a way of getting there by doing it through the music. And then as an author, what you'd do is you'd listen to all the songs that were famous at the time and get a feel for them. Like, if with Johnny Swanson, I'll just show you. I, I've got here somewhere. I think I put it in my bag. Never mind. I got the sheet music from popular songs of the time so that I could... Yeah, obviously, you can't listen to them as recordings, most of them, but you can read them. Yeah. Um, maybe the woman who was crying at the start, it was the older woman who um, is in the hospital. Yeah, so it's the same woman. 
It's the same woman we've got. Is that right? And we're flashing back, maybe through using music. So according to what track you refer to at the beginning of each chapter, you know what era you're in, which would be quite a nice thing to do. It'd also be very nice if it was, you know, maybe you were writing a screenplay and not a novel. It would be a very good device if you were doing a television drama or something like that. You know where you are instantly through the music. And all that inspired just by that rubbishy thing. So who's next? I haven't had anyone from the back over here pulling out. Do you want to pull the next one? Would you like to do it? I wish I knew your names because then I'd be more polite, but Katie. I can't be. Katie, you do it. Right, thank you. This is a crossword puzzle. Now this, I hadn't thought of this until I, I cut it out thinking this is dead boring. And then I realized that, do you know the, what they call a cryptic crossword has very, very strange clues, but it has an awful lot of them. You know, there are 26 down and 20, 26 across and 23 down. So that's an awful lot of clues. And you could pick on any of them and we could get something for our thing. For example, 50, I'm doing this completely at random. 15 across, two coppers arresting a small group of politicians. Now, obviously, that's meant to come up with an answer. Can't think what it is at the moment, but that's, um, well, it's an answer that's six letters long. But that gives us a picture. Maybe we could build that into our story. Or um, rubbish country welcomes right modernizing leader. Might pick up on that. Um, American wears top out of bed or stuck in it. Strange. Um, uh, material from humorist, ultimately old hat. Now, you might want to build in, you know, they don't make sense, these lines, but they give you things. Should I carry on reading, or can anybody think of something we might lift from there so far? Yeah. gave her this to kind of help her start thinking um, or just to help her pass time and um, she's looking at the things and it reminds her of something and then she starts thinking because maybe it was at the time it was kind of a mystery of how that man died and it was never actually solved and maybe she gets a clue to it right so did you hear that could you all hear should I repeat it you heard so she's basically working out something from the crossword. And we could write into that that somebody involved with whatever this mystery is that we're building up is sending clues via the crossword clues, which are going to be in the newspaper. Maybe he knows the old lady, reads this particular newspaper, reads the clue every day. So if she reads um, uh, one dope hug, second daughter in Shakespeare... Now, we've got in that clue dope, which might bring us to the drug thing. And we've got second daughter, so that might give us an idea for building a new character in. And in Shakespeare, well, will we take our characters off to see a play? Will there be some clue in the play, part of a plot that turns out to mirror what's happened in real life? And possibilities are endless, but you can get them all from this boring piece of paper. Yes?
So like an actress by sort of, yes. That's a fabulous example of what can come out, you see. And also how it comes out slowly, because it's a while since we had some of those bits and pieces, but they're all working in your head, and the story's building up. So all this is, you know, who would have thought it? Look at this handful of rubbish I've got here. And so far, we're getting the basis of quite a good story. Now, are we stopping? Ten minutes, right. So we haven't got that much further to go, but we have still got some things in the bag. Somebody else who hasn't had a dip. It's another piece of paper. All right. Very exciting receipt for something. This is, it's a receipt from the post office. And of course it tells you where the post office is and I'll tell you that this post office is 265 Morningside Road, Edinburgh. I wonder who was in the post office. Um, and it's a receipt, uh, it gives you the date and time, so it's at 12.05 on the date in question. Um, it's somebody sending something to the USA and the price is £11.85. It weighs, it weighs 308.308 kilograms, so 308 grams, this thing. Um, and so we've got, and also later on, we've got the address in, in Edinburgh, in um, New York, where this parcel is going. So what can we make from this? What can we add into our story? I'm not going to go to you because you're so, you've been so much, I haven't heard so much from you, so let's. But keep um, putting your hand up. Sorry. Maybe the um, woman has um, like worked out why the man died. Yeah. And she has like sent all the crossword clues with the answers on them. Yeah. So, so that's what's like, in the parcel is yeah. crossword clues with answers. Yes. For the FBI or something. Yes. Could be because actually, this um, this parcel is going to 40 Washington Square, New York, which I happen to know is part of New York University. So you could say it's the Department of Criminology or something that she's got. You could build it all in. Yeah. Maybe it's in the crossword, it's saying about a hat, and maybe it's the hat in the parcel. Ah, that's a good one. Of the person who was in the river. Right. Did you hear that over there? It's maybe what's in the parcel is a hat. Because you remember there was that reference to a hat in the crossword clue. And um, maybe the hat belonged to the person who was dead in the river. And so this is being sent maybe to a private investigator or somebody like that. Um, I heard one of your backups about the idea where she, like, because she's got dementia, she actually killed the man. Mm. Right, I'm sure you couldn't hear that over there, so let, stop me if I get this wrong. So, the lady who's got dementia in the hospital previously couldn't remember the fact that she had killed the man in the river, but because of all the triggers she's been given to revive her memories, 
she's beginning to realise that it was, that it might have been her. And she is sending off in this parcel clues that she laid at the time to lure the man to his death. Is that right? Or to, or to, um, or to, to, uh, to confess that she'd done it. Right, so maybe she w she compiled the crossword, but she thinks he compiled the crossword. Got it, I think. That would give us a long way to go with the rest of the thing. And if we're keeping her as the same woman, that's quite good because we could ex untangle all this very slowly, chapter by chapter. And maybe you might be getting to the stage where in your book you want each chapter to have a heading and that each of those headings could be a clue from the crossword. So the person reading the book has not only got to read the book but also try and get the crossword answers. And these days, if you're writing that book, you know how I said I wrote that book where there's follow-up online explaining things from the book? You could put the answers to the crossword online. So there's no danger of the person reading the book getting them without making an effort. Or you could put them in the back of the book, but a lot of people would just steal there and go and get them. So you could be making quite an interesting book that is not only a book, but a crossword. And maybe the final clue will give you the answer to who killed the man in the river. But you can't get there without solving all the other things as you go along. So you're getting, actually, this book is becoming quite an interesting object as well as an interesting story. That's a very good suggestion. Who's next? Who hasn't had a go? Oh, well, that's quite good. Happy anniversary with love. Okay. And it says, wishing you a special day and looking forward to Thursday. Love, John and Liz. So this could give you something. It gives you more names, doesn't it? It also gives you Thursday. What do you think? Um, well, I think maybe the, um, the old woman's got that postcard. Yeah. Yes, that's a really and good she suggestion. Know that, and it's kind of a threat card. Yes, disguised, disguised as, as a. So on Thursday, Liz and John are going to meet up with her and interrogate her. So this could well be at the end of the end of yeah. the book. So in case you didn't hear that, it looks like a perfectly innocuous anniversary card, but what it's actually celebrating the anniversary of is the anniversary of the murder. Um, and John and Liz have worked it all out. They know what's, what's coming. And they're going to come on Thursday to the hospital to confront the old woman. And they may be old themselves. It would be quite nice, actually, to write a story where the active people in the story are old. Because most stories like this you get, you know, the detectives are around 35, 40. I know that seems old to you. But, you know, if they were in their 60s, and she's in her 80s. That's quite a plausible thing. And of course, if she was in her 80s now, she would have been young at the time that we might have done that body. Yeah. Or it could have been something like that. Or maybe it wasn't to like confront her, but maybe it was like to help her um, figure something out. Or to break the news to her that they've yeah. worked it out. Yeah. Yes, to, so that she can die in peace. So the happy ending would be that these younger people have unscrambled the secret, know that it wasn't her, and know that her, her anguish about thinking, did I kill this man and have I forgotten it? They can prove to her she didn't, 
and she can die without worrying. So that's the happy ending. And the gruesome ending would be maybe they're descendants of the person that was found dead in the river. They've worked out that she did it. And even though she's very, very old, they're going to turn up on Thursday and put a pillow over her head. You know, there's two kinds of book there, aren't there? You can choose either. She could, yes, and she, she, and before they put the pillow over her head, she has the realization that she did do it, and the remorse. But it's and maybe they don't. But maybe she's so remorseful. Second kind of happy ending. You think they're going to put the pillow over her head, but they're so moved by her remorse that they don't do it. So that makes it a different kind of book again. So I think our time's up. But can you see how what I've been trying to show you is you can get ideas from anywhere. And it can be, I hope, quite enjoyable thing to do.